Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Hello, folks, and welcome into Next Gen Creators, the daily downforce podcast where we highlight the next generation of NASCAR content creators. I am Joshua Lepowski. We hope you enjoyed episode one with Eric Estep. If you want to listen to that, feel free to go back and listen to it as well. But today we have a brand new guest, NFJJ is joining us on the podcast here today. And uh, NFJJ has been on YouTube for a long time. He's been on YouTube for over a decade now uh, for a large part of his life. Uh, started out doing a lot of uh, stop motion and NASCAR gaming content. Recently has uh, gotten into a lot more of the uh, NASCAR history commentary type videos. And uh, it's really cool to see kind of how his content has changed over time. And he discusses that. He discusses a lot with us about how his content has changed over time, how he's developed as a YouTuber, but he also gets really real and honest with us about some of the challenges that he's had to deal with as a YouTuber, some of the things that he struggled with, some of the things that he had to learn and the ways that he had to develop as a person alongside with developing as a YouTuber. He gets really honest with us and uh, he tells us kind of about how he developed into the YouTuber that he is today and the types of NFJJ videos that you are used to seeing. It was really cool to just hear NFJJ be just super honest and raw with us about all of those things. So without further ado, folks, here is episode two of Next Gen Creators with NFJJ. Hello, folks, and now it is time to welcome in Gabe from NFJJ here on Next Gen Creators, the Daily Downforce podcast where we talk to the next generation of content creators. So, uh, uh, Gabe, uh, really happy to have you with me here today. No, I appreciate it. I got the email for this. I was super excited. I listened to the first episode. It was super interesting, so really excited to get into it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here, Gabe. You know, uh, this was uh, one of those things, you know, when uh, when Josh and I were sitting down talking about, you know, who we wanted to bring on, you know, you were one of the first guys we brought up that we wanted to bring on. So it's really super exciting, you know, to to, to kind of have you here and uh, to kind of talk about your love of uh, of the sport of NASCAR. And, uh, you know, uh, you've been a NASCAR fan for uh, quite a long time, it seems, haven't you? Yeah, I've been a NASCAR fan since what 2011 now and that's mm -hmm. over half my life so i'm still pretty young but i got into it at a super young age and i've been doing youtube for as long as i can remember wow 2011 so that's uh you know that's still a long oh it's still a while ago but that's a little bit later than uh, some other nascar youtubers that we'll talk to that have gotten into the sports so you know that's kind of an interesting time to get into nascar that 2011 time frame when the playoffs were uh i guess i could say you know things like the playoffs and stuff like that were beginning to become more standardized within NASCAR, I guess, if that makes sense. So uh, what was it that got you into the sport then to begin with? 
So it's actually pretty interesting how I got into NASCAR. So I was in about third grade at the time. So think 2008, 2009-ish. And everybody in my grade would bring things to trade. So sports cards, football, baseball cards, uh, silly bands, anything, uh, you name it, we traded it. So a couple of my buddies brought some of these NASCAR diecasts and I saw the colors, I saw the sponsors and the numbers and they were super cool. So I ran to the flea market and bought some of them and started trading uh, these diecasts with my friends. So that kind of parlayed into playing NASCAR video games and then watching uh, crash compilations on YouTube. And that's really how I got my start. I did all of that for years before I even sat down and watched my first race. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Video games are a way that a lot of people have kind of gotten into the sport. And of course, in that 2008, 2009 range you're talking about, that was kind of at the end of the uh, EA sports time of uh, of NASCAR games. So I'm presuming around that time, it was a lot of probably like the NASCAR 09 type of stuff, or was it even some of the older NASCAR games? I'm sure that you played a little bit too. Is that correct? Yeah. So NASCAR 08 was the first game I got, then I got the 09 and then every year since. So uh, I still play the video games a little bit now. It's Really disappointing to see that we haven't had a new game in a while, but it seems like some exciting news is right around the corner. So even though I don't play them as much as I did way back then, uh, I still want to see uh, the video game succeed. Yeah, I mean, you, you're speaking for a lot of NASCAR fans that want to see the uh, a new NASCAR video game to really succeed. Uh, so, you know, that that makes total sense, you know, given given the state of NASCAR gaming. So let's talk about real life NASCAR here for a second, Gabe. So, you know, you discussed how you got into NASCAR a little bit earlier. You you discussed that. So uh, based on your name, NFJJ, uh, the presumption is you were a Jimmy Johnson fan growing up, I assume. Yeah, I was. My original channel name, actually, when I first started, was NASCAR Fan 4888JJ. So that's a mouthful. Uh, so I've shortened that over the years. Uh, but I was a fan of Jimmy Johnson, Dylan Hart Jr., and then JJ just stands for Jimmy Johnson. A lot of people think that's my name or something, but no, that's it just stands for Jimmy Johnson. You know, I was 10 years old whenever I created my account name. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny how I became a Jimmy Johnson fan. So uh, I was watching a crash compilation in like fourth grade and uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, his 2011 wreck at Watkins Glen, he goes head on into the wall and afterwards he gets on his on top of his car and starts to celebrate. And I was like, wow, this guy gets it. He, he crashed on purpose and that's it. You know, uh, this is what NASCAR is about. So by chance, whenever I was a kid, I fell in love with Jimmy Johnson because of that. So which it's super funny because, uh, you know, he's one of the greatest NASCAR drivers that, of all time. I could have easily have been Travis Quaffle or David Rudiman, you know, so I find that pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. That That is uh, one of the most uh, interesting eyesight in NASCAR history is Jimmy Johnson just going head on into the wall at Watkins Glen in turn one and then just jumping out on top of the car with both his arms in the air just to say that he's okay little did we know what Jimmy Johnson was going to become in those days no yeah uh, I mean he was a nobody back then and he didn't do anything in the lower series and he was all of a sudden in a top ride in NASCAR so yeah he won there for it he, he, he won one race. So like, you know, you go from winning only one race in the Xfinity series to all of a sudden you're a seven time NASCAR Cup Series champion. I don't I still don't totally understand how that happened, but uh, it, it is pretty incredible. So, you know, tell me then as you got into NASCAR, did you ever think about the idea of potentially working in NASCAR in some form or fashion? You know, I especially when I first started YouTube, I was just doing it for fun. So it never occurred to me. Of course, I wanted to be like a driver, like any kid, but you know that I've never raced a real race. Of course, it's a lot, a lot easier said than done. Um, but yeah, now, you know, I'm looking at my options and stuff and it's a real possibility that, you know, whether it be the social media route or with the, the uh, career I'm trying to pursue, I can definitely get into NASCAR eventually. So as the years have gone on, it's went from more of a fantasy land to uh, more of a reality. So is that career you're pursuing, is that more of a YouTube career? Is that a, uh, what, what type of career are you, are you talking here? 
So I'm going to school for business right now, and I love uh, decision-making. I'm currently working in human resources and training and development. Uh, so that side, I love that talent management. I know I'm probably boring a lot of people, but I think this stuff's really cool. But uh, YouTube as well, you know, there's the journalist side of things, uh, just content creation in general uh, over different platforms. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for me to work in NASCAR, whichever route I decide to pursue here in the coming years. Yeah, that's really cool. The business side of NASCAR obviously is is probably one of it's it's obviously not as talked about probably amongst fans, but you know, you forget, I mean, that these race teams truly are businesses and they have all the same departments that a typical business would have, just like the regular office that you work in on a daily basis. You know, those people have or NASCAR teams have those people working for them. So those types of things and those types of avenues are ways you can get into NASCAR. No, yeah, and I'm super excited about the options I potentially have uh, whenever I graduate college here in about a year's time. Uh, if no, if uh, you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the business of motorsports, uh, that's on the Dell Junior Download, uh, part of Dirty Mo Media. That's a really great series. It's just a few parts, but it kind of gives insight to how much really goes on in a NASCAR team. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of those episodes with uh, uh, Kelly Earnhardt is on it with uh, Mike Davis. I think uh, they brought on, I think one of, I think it was like one of like Dale Earnhardt's merchandising people or something like that on there. So yeah, I, I'm in full agreement with that. That's a really cool listen right there to talk about, you know, uh, the truly the business of motorsports. That's really cool to to listen to. So, you know, you, you're, you really love getting into NASCAR on the business side, but you're in NASCAR in a YouTube capacity at the moment. And you've, you've been on YouTube for a while. You've been, I think your first videos I was doing research was posted, I think around like 11 or 12 years ago. So, you know what, when did you start getting the idea of posting NASCAR content on YouTube? Yeah. So I was about 10 years old. Uh, I'm 21 right now. So you can, do the math 10 or 11, 12 years ago. So I was about 10 years old. And somehow I came across these stop motion YouTube videos. Uh, for a lot of kids, that's how you get into NASCAR or on the YouTube side of things. And I wanted to do that. So I had some cars, I had some die cast cars. Um, I asked for a camera for Christmas. And two days later, I created my YouTube channel and started posting uh, all these stop motions. And since then, I've privated a lot of them because <laughs> they were really bad. I was 10 years old at the time. Uh, so that's really how I got my introduction. Making these races, uh, it, it was just so neat to, uh, so neat to me, just kind of in my own fantasy world. And, you know, I could create crashes. I could create wild finishes. I could have someone go from fifth to first in the last turn to win in the photo finish. I was in complete control, and it was always so satisfying working all day on a stop motion and then plop it into Windows Life Movie Maker, I think I was using at the time, and uh, seeing it all kind of makes sense. That's something that Eric brought up in uh, the first episode of uh, Next Gen Creators. He brought up how cool it is when you finish up something and everything just makes sense. And man, that that is there's no feeling like that when you're creating something is when the idea you have in your head actually comes into fruition after all the little details that went into it that you don't even realize that you have to go through if maybe you're not in this business or not or not working on developing content. No, yeah, it was uh, definitely super rewarding, and it was just super cool to see you know, the cars going around and around and crashes and making smoke out of cotton and stuff, all these little tricks that we used to have uh, in the stop-motion uh, stop community, and people still use to this day. So tell me, who were some of those uh, stop-motion guys that you watched growing up? Because there were a lot of guys that were in NASCAR stop-motion that, during that time frame. I remember it. Yeah, man, uh, I haven't watched his stop motion in so long. I'm thinking uh, first comes to mind, like Batcave Club Channel. He had some super popular ones, uh, APT95. And this was like super early. People uh, weren't doing series. They were just doing one-off races. Um, Jacob, 1776 US. Probably a lot of people, most people don't think of. Of course, uh, Eric with his double E Cup series came a little later on. Um, the Affleck Cup series, just all of these guys, you know, I consumed so many stop motions because I thought they were so cool. 
And then I just, you know, got into creating my own. Wow, that's really awesome. So, you know, what was kind of your original YouTube content philosophy then as you kind of as you started with those stop motions and you posted a lot of gaming content, too, as well during that time frame? You know, did did you have a philosophy in, in any sense or or were you just doing this all just kind of to have fun? Uh, in short, there was no philosophy whatsoever. You know, I was a uh, 10, 11 year old kid with a camera and uh, there was this internet that I could post anything I wanted to. So I would do stop motions. I'd get bored of that. I would play some uh, games. I would play NASCAR 08 in our 2003. Uh, then, you know, I would see somebody make a NASCAR commercial. I decided I want to do that. I just do that. And throughout this time, I was uploading so much, like two or three times a day, barely getting any views. Like that's how the first couple of years of YouTube went. There was absolutely no philosophy with it at all. And did that change over time? I mean, obviously, you know, it, it has changed to an extent over time. But tell me, how, how did that start to shift for you after those first couple of years as you started developing more of, a, I guess, a system, for lack of a better term, for developing YouTube videos? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was growing up, you know, I started to mature and it goes in different phases. So even whenever I was 13 or 14, I was like, OK, all these videos, it's overkill. Um, I started getting into uploading crash compilations. Um, that was something that was starting to boom at that time. And uh, as I mentioned before, I really got into NASCAR because of its crashes, even on uh, the NASCAR video games, you know, turn around on the track and cause a big pile up, you know, just uh, destruction as a kid, super intriguing. So um, I started doing crash compilations and I did that for what, probably six or seven years on YouTube. Of course, it changed over time. The quality got so much better. The thumbnails got better. The titles got better. Uh, the clips I was using, um, you know, they went from like these surface level clips everyone has seen until I, and then it morphed into me doing my own research to find uh, new clips. There were different uh, series ideas and trends that happened over the course of that six or seven years from, I want to say 2014 to 2020. Um, but at the same time, I didn't have much of a plan. It was still, I was still doing what I wanted to do, um, but it was a little bit more professional and I think a little bit better quality videos as well. Yeah. So you were, you mentioned how you were doing gaming, you were doing crash compilations, all that sort of stuff. Can you tell me what were some of the challenges that you were kind of dealing with during this time frame as you were just kind of trying to learn or, you know, maybe was this all just kind of just fun for you and you were just kind of learning as you went having fun, just making YouTube videos. I'm certain that that's how a lot of people get into the YouTube form in that sense. Yeah, it was super fun, but at the same time, it was competitive. I wanted to do good. Um, I was obsessed with looking at the numbers and stuff. So um, I would try to chase views, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, but there's a lot of competition on YouTube. There's a bunch of uh, crash compilation channels out there. And, you know, trying to be unique and stick out uh, was definitely a challenge. Also, uh, I know this is a big debate whether, like, you should be monetized or not, but... NASCAR claimed most of my videos anyway, so that wasn't a problem. But my channel would be demonetized. I had my channel deleted, actually, on a couple of different occasions um, for uploading NASCAR content. Uh, one time I got hacked. You know, it was uh, this combination of challenges that kind of exhausted me, you know, especially whenever I was in high school. So 2017 to 2020. I uh, had a social life, you know, trying to be cool in high school and stuff. And the YouTube thing wasn't super cool. So uh, that was just a whole nother challenge that nobody on the Internet saw. So um, it, it was also mentally taxing in the way of trying to compete. And I was so obsessed with the numbers. It was it was really unhealthy for me. So uh, those combination of things over the course of a few years kind of um, burnt me out a little bit. And that's whenever I knew I needed to kind of change my style of videos I was doing. Yeah. A lot of people forget, you know, back in those days, you know, becoming a, a becoming 
a full-time content creator or anything like that on YouTube was, it was still a relatively new thing. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't easy and it still isn't easy to this day to, to, to make it fully. And so, you know, I mean, you, you, you were just very open about the fact that you had to face some, some personal challenges in, in trying to deal with that. So just, just kind of tell me, you know, what were some of the changes that you made during that time in order to combat some of those challenges that you were dealing with during that time frame? Yeah, so uh, the biggest thing was trying to create new ideas. Um, so I would sit down. It was really the first time I had to sit down and, like, brainstorm and game plan, you know. So I'm thinking 2017, 2018. I, usually I would just see something um, like somebody wrecking qualifying. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make NASCAR qualifying crashes. But then that stopped working Um it was so oversaturated. So, so many people were doing that sort of stuff. So creating different series, I did um, this one in particular, it was all NASCAR crashes. So uh, if the Daytona 500 just happened, I'd be like all NASCAR crashes from the 2018 Daytona 500. And that did super well. And then after a year or two, you know, people stopped watching those. Then it was uh, worse Jimmy Johnson crash every year throughout his career right uh so these different series were you know ideas that i had that i needed to have to compete with the other channels that were making probably better content than me at the time i was still 15 16 years old so having um you know 20 25 year olds that i was competing against was was hard for me because i couldn't see the vision of uh, sitting down for a long period of time and making a high quality video. I just wanted to sit down, um, get stuff together and upload a video, edit and everything within like an hour and be done with it. So um, that that was another challenge. So I guess over my YouTube journey, I've had a lot more challenges than I than I thought I did. You know, it, it, are are those challenges the types of things that you just kind of realized or, or did you realize it as you were going through it? Or was it one of those things that you just kind of realized as you look back on it and realize like, like, man, that was really challenging to think about that. Man, I didn't realize how hard that was to learn in, in, in that sense. Yeah, you know, I think I realized it maybe a little bit subconsciously at the time. Uh, I was just learning a little bit and little bit by little bit over years and years uh, because this time frame was over the course of six years and it also came with maturing I think uh, being more self-aware of my content and the competition and how people were reacting to it um, and you know before I would upload a video and didn't care what people said about it but then I was getting comments like oh this video is lazy or there's a couple mistakes here or whatever so that started you know started being more self-aware about that stuff and implementing changes through that so it helped me grow but it was also um at the same time i didn't like getting those type of content or those type of comments it was uh challenging for me as well i've never dealt with like i don't want to say hate comments because a lot of it's fair criticism but especially back then like i didn't deal with criticism well at all so you said you 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 mentioned it. You didn't deal with criticism well, but how did you learn how to handle that as time went on and learn to use that as a way to to help build yourself up as as a YouTuber? Because I think in any form in this business, whether you're new media, old media, anything like that, you know, constructive criticism is a big part of how you grow and how you get better. So how did how did you learn to handle that? Yeah, so I think it was uh, just getting older. It, it honestly hasn't been till the last couple of years, you know, whenever I started college that I've dealt with criticism much better. Um, just getting that criticism in person, you know, whether that be in class or from my in real life fans or not fans, my in real life friends, um, I think has helped me deal with it over the Internet because you're definitely aware people are unfiltered over the internet. Um, so that was really hard at the beginning, but as you see it more and more, um, then you kind of get used to it at some point. 
So you mentioned how you kind of get used to it, it at some point, you know, how did you, you know, who were some of those people mentioned some of these, these friends specifically that you um, kind of helped you through some of those timeframes as you were handling the, uh, as you were trying to handle this and kind of grapple this during your time in college. So, yeah, so some of my uh, best friends in real life uh, would help me with this. A couple of them knew uh, about my YouTube channel and they would help me with that stuff specifically, help me rationalize uh, that. And then also I had other friends that kept me accountable in person and helped me grow as a person uh, in general. And I think overall that was able to help me deal with the hate uh, over the Internet. All right. So, you know, you talked a bit about how you kind of dealt with criticism. You talked about a lot of your good friends that you had during some of that time frame. You know, can you tell me, you know, as time went on, you know, how did you start developing some of the videos that you make nowadays? Some of these videos about these people like, you know, you mentioned, you know, the craziest Richmond race in NASCAR history video from a couple of weeks ago. You also made a video about a about a uh, skip manning cra- skip manning's crash that he had um you made that a few weeks ago how did you start making those type of more nascar history content type videos yeah so uh, it kind of goes back to covid so covid was um a really bad time but in terms of the internet people were on it more so a lot of people really flourished in covid and uh, uh it was the complete opposite for me my channel wasn't doing well uh, my channel actually got deleted at the beginning of COVID, and uh, that was because my YouTube channel was hacked. So uh, it was down for a couple months. So that was a really bad time, and I had a couple of months to kind of reflect on the type of content that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I was uploading. And uh, you know, I really thought like, hey, I'm heading into college now. I'm kind of an adult, so I think that I should take a step back and make some higher quality videos, kind of step into doing commentary and telling these stories of NASCAR. So uh, I kind of bounced around from uh, content to content. Uh, They weren't great commentary videos by any means. Uh, They were actually pretty pretty bad around that time. Um, Nobody was watching them. Uh, I say nobody, it was a couple thousand, but in comparison to how many views and how many people were watching my videos before that uh, it was not as many. And uh, then I kind of started watching other NASCAR creators. So it's kind of funny because I was a NASCAR creator myself, but I never really watched any other creators. Uh, So I was watching these guys like Black Flags Matter, The Iceberg. And I was like, man, these guys have high quality videos. They have better thumbnails they have better editing better storytelling than i do and uh, you know which was great for them and i was like i really need to step up my game so i can tell you the exact video um it was nascar's first global race about a year and a half ago i sat down and i was like okay i'm going to try super hard on this video and uh, it worked the video performed super well um, I think it's got over a hundred thousand views today, and in comparison to a few thousand views, the few thousand views that I was getting, and so I cut back on uploads and upped the quality of my videos. I spent more time writing scripts and more time editing instead of producing more videos. So from there, I think my quality, the quality of my videos, got much better, and even today, they're still they're still definitely improving. So they're still improving as time goes on, but you, you mentioned how there was that one specific video where things kind of did shift for you. And, you know, I'm, and I, you do notice it as you go through your YouTube channel, you know, I don't want to say like, there's like a, a specific increase in quality. I want to say that you, that you notice from your thumbnails, but like based on like the titles of the videos, the thumbnails, you do notice as you look back through your channel, how like, you know, your content philosophy kind of really shifted over these last couple of years. So, you know, there's definitely like a noticeable difference in terms of, 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 
how you approach your content. It's 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 visually there. Not that your not that your former content was bad or anything. It's just you know your content is a lot different. So that that is that is noticeable. You do see that on on your uh, on your YouTube channel. So you know, can, can you tell me some more NASCAR YouTubers? You mentioned specifically Iceberg, Black Flags Matter. You know, you mentioned a lot of these guys that you want that you watched on YouTube during this time frame. Were there were there some other guys that you watched on NASCAR YouTube that made maybe some different content that you didn't make that you thought was really interesting? Uh, so, you know, of course, there's Brock Beard and NASCAR Man History. They make the highest quality videos, in my opinion. Uh, these massive documentaries, uh, these really big stories that they tell so well. And uh, even though I'm kind of into the storytelling now, um, I don't com- I do not compare myself to them. They're more the documentary style while I'm a short format video style. But those guys were really opened my eyes to how good my content could be if I put in a little bit more effort. So if you were not creating NASCAR content, you know, what what types of other contents do you feel that you would create? Because I'm sure that, you know, you have a lot of other, you have a lot of other interest. I'm sure outside of NASCAR, you mentioned business earlier today. You know, what are some other things that you even maybe thought about creating content about aside from NASCAR, even if you haven't really explored that? Yeah, so uh, I've been really big into college football and the NFL, which a lot of people are. But I think my style of videos, uh, kind of the short storytelling, uh, kind of more the historical aspects of stuff, is there's a gap in the NFL community, really. Um, I've, you know, there's a couple of creators, I guess, that go into that a little bit, uh, like KTO comes to mind. Yep. But I think mm-hmm. if I, took what I was doing now in the NASCAR um, in the NASCAR community and took that over to the NFL community and kind of did the same style, um, it would work. And that's something I've thought about. It's just something that I do not really have the time for right now. And I'm so focused on uh, NFJJ because, you know, it's doing better than it ever has before. And, uh, you know, I'm about to graduate college. I'm trying to pay for college. I'm trying to you know, save up money for a house, all these sort of things. So I don't want to risk, you know, diving and focusing on another channel that might, you know, fail and just completely focused on NFJJ. And I do have a, a second YouTube channel um, on the gas. Um, it's got almost 10,000 subscribers right now. It's a uh, NASCAR uh, YouTube channel as well. Um, I don't really promote it as my second channel. I've mentioned it plenty of times, but a lot of people don't know that I do run a second channel. Uh, it's got its own branding and everything and its own style of content. So I'm just laser focused on those two accounts right now. Wow. So, uh, you know, t- tell me, expand a little bit more on like what the content is like on your second channel to some people that may not be so familiar with it. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of uh, like the old commentary videos I did on NFJJ. So um, I'm just looking at a couple of the videos right now, and it's like 10 forgotten NASCAR crashes. And it's basically a crash compilation video, but I provide insight and commentary over it. So I'll explain the wreck or the battle or the fight. And then kind of give some interesting facts about it and some statistics and uh, do a crash compilation that way instead of, you know, splicing up clips from a broadcast and uploading it like that. So I provide that uh, hopefully insightful commentary. And yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So, you know, as you know, we've talked a lot about now about how you've discussed, you know, how you your NASCAR content has developed over time and really, you know, it, it, it has changed over time. You've really developed a lot as time has gone on. So, you know, do you, what's your future plans for kind of your NASCAR content? Because you mentioned how you are, you know, you're in college right now, you're, you're in college for business. So, um, you know, is your YouTube philosophy particularly going to change kind of as, as time goes on, as things develop? I mean, it's, I mean, I will say the Internet, it's it's impossible to predict where the Internet's going to go. I think you and I both know that. So it's probably hard to say. But, you know, wh- how is how is that going to develop as you go on, you feel? Yeah, so I'll just mention uh, this super quick. My second channel on the gas is kind of 
a uh, safety net because I'm very experimental on NFJJ with the type of content I upload. Um, even though they're, they all follow the same philosophy, some videos I kind of risk and they get a couple thousand views and sometimes I risk it and they do very well. So on the gas is that second channel that I know people enjoy and people will keep coming back for years to come. So uh, for the last year, I've been working on that channel and it's been doing great. So that was kind of my first um, my first plan to get underway um, whenever I actually started planning out uh, my YouTube uh, future path. Right now, I am happy with the way things are going and I've got YouTube videos planned for three or four months out. Um, that's <laughs> how far in the future I go. Um, but Right now, I'm focused on doing what I'm doing right now um, with one video a week on both channels. And then after I graduate college, I'm going to be at this crossroads, whether I pursue, I pursue my in-real-life career or if I pursue, pursue YouTube. So um, that will be interesting, <laughs> to say the least. I still have about a year to kind of figure it out, um, but I do have some future plans if I do pursue uh, YouTube full time. One, creating a show. I know everybody's got a show um, and it's a very cluttered space right now, but um, you know, just a few different segments, a race recap style show. I've been working on the intro for it, some like jingles, some mock-up videos for that. Um, so that would be, I, I would love to do that. I love talking about uh, current events and maybe some opinions, uh, stuff like that. But I don't do that um, on NFJJ right now. It just doesn't make sense with the type of content I'm uploading. Um, and then also in the future, um, merch is like, it's one of those things that I never really bought YouTuber merch, uh, but people have been asking about it. And I'm thankful that people want to support the channel. Uh, even if they don't go out and wear, or if they wanted to go out and wear it in public, if people wanted to support the channel, that would be, you know, amazing. So I've kind of got that in the works right now. I've got some designs I've been creating, uh, looking at. So uh, that's something I could implement tomorrow if I really wanted to. It just doesn't make a lot of sense right now with where my channel's at. Um, but yeah, I've got... Um, all these ideas and stuff that I want to do, but I literally just do not have the time for it. And uh, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent right now, but to speak about like the time I have, I go away to college Monday through Friday, and then I come home on Saturday. I make two videos um, on Saturday and Sunday, watch the race on Sunday, then go back to college. So I only have a couple days uh, to work on YouTube per week. And that's if I don't have a family event or my friends aren't doing something or um, if I have work, you know, so I'm also working. So um, to implement anything else on top of my current workload doesn't make a lot of sense right now until I have a little bit more time after I graduate. That, that's interesting, though, that you are in college, you know, you're you're in college five days a week. Those of us that have that have been there, you know, I mean, I just finished up college. We know how busy it is, yet you're still finding time to put out one video per week on two different channels. I mean, that's pretty impressive, I must say. No, yeah, thank you. It's uh, definitely been uh, a little challenging at times. Sometimes, you know, I'm not even home for a month at a time, you know, so uh, over the summer, like this summer, I've been getting ahead on about a month ahead of schedule in terms of videos that I've already made, just in case I cannot be home some weekends. Uh, so, um, you know, at least I have that little bit of a safety net, but I'm just, I'm really constantly working. But, you know, I love doing YouTube more than anything else I do, a lot better than school, um, better than work, you know. So if, if there's any chance that I could do YouTube full time after graduating, then I'm definitely going to take that chance. 
So, you know, do you, can you tell me, you know, do you, do you have a direction that you're leaning at the moment between pursuing the in real life career or pursuing YouTube at the moment? Do you have a direction you're leaning or are you still completely wide open? You got a year to figure it out. So obviously you, you know, you have time, but do you know which direction you're leaning yet? Yeah. So uh, my heart and passion says YouTube, but my brain tells me career, right? So I'm like I said, I'm kind of at this crossroads, but um, if my uh, channel keeps performing the way it is and, you know, I'm still enjoying it, I mean, there's no doubt that I'll still be enjoying it. So even if I set aside six to 12 months to make this YouTube thing really happen and do all of these ideas that I have, um, then I'm, then I want to take that chance. And if it doesn't work, um, then whatever, I can go find a job, you know, and still do YouTube part-time. Um, like I've been doing YouTube part-time for the last 10 or 12 years of my life. So uh, nothing would change. <laughs> so long story short, we can expect to see NFJG on YouTube for a long time in the future. Yeah. Long story short, you wrapped it up perfectly. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, you know, it, it is one of those things people don't often realize, like how much of a leap it is to go to YouTube full time. You know, it's 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 a big jump. It's it's very it's very risky to, to kind of do that. You know, it's it's definitely very difficult. You know, can, can you can you provide some insight to us as to kind of like what what are the type of risks you have to weigh in order to go into YouTube full time, particularly for those that are thinking about going and doing YouTube at some point or being a content creator in general? Like what are the type of things you have to consider or think about? Yeah, so uh, definitely, um, I mean, the most obvious thing is the base. That's how much revenue you're taking in um, and then with your expenses, right? So um I would definitely move to like a cheaper area. It doesn't make sense if you're working online to live in a super expensive area. It doesn't make sense uh, to me. So that includes like maybe moving, right? Buying a house or, you know, giving up that financial security. Because YouTube is, it's like a wave. Sometimes you'll be crushing it. You'll be like, man, I could do this full time. And then just out of nowhere, you have one bad video and then it trickles into the next month and you're like, okay, like maybe I should just stop completely because no one's watching my videos. So it's always this big wave uh, up and down. Um, so you don't have a lot of security with that at all. But, you know, if I did pursue this full time, there'd be opportunity to create uh, more content, which would give me a little bit better security. But for you know, anyone out there um, that is trying to pursue to pursue YouTube full time, um, it just depends on how much of a risk you're willing to take. Me, by, by nature, I'm not a very risky person. So um, I tend to lean towards the side of caution. So that's hard whenever, you know, you need to take a leap of faith to really make something like this work. Um, so, yeah, just all kinds of things you got to think about. Um, I've got a girlfriend right now. Um, and, uh, you know, if we want to start a family, it's like, you know, you need money to do that, you know, one way or another. So. What, what's it like to have her supporting you throughout YouTube? I, I mentioned, you know, I, I asked about friends and people that have supported you through YouTube. You know, what, what's it like to have her support as you're, as you're going through pursuing YouTuber career or anything like that? No, it, it's great. She loves it. She had, she really doesn't even know what NASCAR is. I mean, she knows what it is, but she's not into it at all. She just thinks it's super cool uh, because she watches a lot of YouTube videos and stuff. She's got a lot of creators that she follows. So she's kind of like, looks at me like, oh my gosh, you know, like you make these videos and all of these NASCAR rednecks watch your videos. I'm like, yep, that's it. Uh, but no, it's uh it's super neat as she supports me a hundred percent. That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. So, you know, Gabe, uh, you've made a ton of NASCAR videos. You made a ton of YouTube videos just in general over the last, you know, decade or so that you've been on YouTube, you know, from being younger to now, you know, you're in college and, and now. So, you know, what do you have a favorite or a few favorite YouTube videos that you have made throughout your time? Oh man, yeah, I, I have a couple that stick out, but 
if you look at my channel, it says I have like 500 videos, which is a lot. But it is so many more than that, From especially whenever I was younger. I was uploading two or three videos a day. I'm thinking it's closer to about 1,500 or 2,000. So wow. a lot of videos. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to say that out loud because uh, I've just been creating content nonstop for a decade. Uh, but favorite video, definitely um, the NASCAR iceberg project that I dove into. Uh, so it ended up being like this two and a half hour video and it took a lot of time, but people really enjoyed it and uh, it was definitely worth it. So basically, if you don't know what an iceberg project style video is, basically start at the top, the tip of the iceberg, which is like tier one, and it's uh, diving into NASCAR, you know, things people know. So like what NASCAR stands for, you know, uh, Del Earnhardt Jr., who he is. And then all the way down in tier eight at the depths of the iceberg is like super big controversies and uh, conspiracies and things like that. So I walked all the way from tier one to tier seven or eight and ended up being this massive project. And I'm super proud of it. That's the most effort I've ever put into a single video. So, wow! And uh, what what was it like to to see the reaction that you that you got out of that video? Yeah, uh, it it was great. So, in terms of like views, it performed well, but by no means like my most popular. But seeing the comments and people being like, "Thank you for putting so much time into this. I can't wait to finish it." You know, that's worth so much more to me personally than just a number right and i would have probably said something different three or four years ago like the numbers matter to me more but now seeing those comments of people being like wow this is a good video thank you for this all of that stuff just completely makes it worth it and especially people realize you know how much time and effort went into that video so that meant even more Man, Gabe, you just brought this whole thing full circle. You talked earlier in this podcast about how you were so focused on the views, on the numbers and that. And now you've talked just a little bit later about a video that isn't even your most popular in terms of views is your favorite video for completely different reasons. I mean, that's that that's incredible. And, and, and it really shows just kind of how humans develop over time, even not not even just in their jobs or in their careers, but, but just personally and, and through projects like YouTube that can develop that sort of thing no yeah i've definitely matured and grown so much over the years and uh, you know is it's unhealthy um and if anyone out there is doing youtube or trying to do youtube just do not get obsessed with the views uh that was um you know during high school that's all i looked at that's all i cared about i kind of wrecked my channel in a way because i didn't have a community or a consistent viewer base because i was just chasing views uh, so my perspective has completely turned around on that and just, you know, even like my most recent video, um, I knew it wasn't going to perform well, but, you know, my community loves these uh, NASCAR Wreckfest videos that I do where I go through a race, um, the Richmond video that you had mentioned earlier. Um, so it's just so much more rewarding whenever you see those positive comments rather than seeing some a lot of views and people not liking it. I got to tell you what, I, I love when you make those, a lot of those, like, I'll just tell you personally, I love when you make some of those like breakfast videos. Like last night I was watching your, uh, your video on the 2004 truck race at gateway. And just like, that's a race yeah. I had no idea existed. And just learning about these like absolutely crazy NASCAR races or these crazy NASCAR stories that, you know, we never even knew happened, but you've, you've been able to bring some of those things to light. And that's, that's, that's really awesome. And you mentioned how you have a community of people, a community of fans that you have on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I, I'm certain those are people that you, you really appreciate. And those are people that, you know, you're, you're, you're really happy to, uh, to, to help make happy, I guess, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, a complete 180 from where I was. And, you know, that's, that's why I make videos is people watch them and people enjoy them. And, you know, I just love making a small impact on people's week at this point, I guess. 
Well, you know what, Gabe? You you've brought this whole thing full circle. So you know what, Gabe? I think that's uh, I, I think you know what you've told your story so well here today. It's really cool to just hear just about how you know you've developed over time, how you've matured as a human being, matured as a content creator, how open you've been just about you know the challenges you had to deal with really in YouTube. And uh, you know we we really appreciate you for for coming on today and for for talking to us and being very candid with us today. It was it was it was really awesome to hear just just how candid you were this afternoon uh thank you so much for having me on i saw the email i got super excited i've actually never done a podcast before i've got a a few invites but i couldn't do it for one reason or another but now i got some time and i'm super happy that i did it and i can't wait to see what you guys do in the future well, we're excited to uh, we're excited to see what you do in the future as too, Gabe. Or as, as we're excited to do what you do in the future as well, Gabe. We're very excited about that. And uh, you know, again, I'm a f- I am a fan of your content as well. So uh, thank you so much once again, NFJJ here on Next Gen Creators. You know, NFJJ really brought that full circle, didn't he? I mean, talking about from early on, talking about how he was so focused on how many views a video got to at the very end, talking about the community that he had and talking about how his favorite video was not even his most popular. I mean, that's really cool to just hear that and to hear him talk about that and also kind of discussing the struggles of being a YouTuber and also talking about the joy he gets out of it. But at the same time, also talking about how he's kind of dealing with what does he want to do with YouTube full time and uh, does he want to do it full time or does he want to uh, just do it part time and you know he's he's dealing with that and it was really cool to hear him discuss a lot of those things and just be really honest and candid with us about what he is handling as a NASCAR YouTuber but also talking about the joy that he gets out of being a YouTuber as well and uh, we want to thank NFJJ once again for joining us here on Next Gen Creators the Daily Downforce podcast that highlights nascar's content creators Uh, we have a ton of guests that we have lined up that we're uh, set to interview here in uh, these coming weeks and uh, we have a lot of content for you folks we have a lot of people so uh, please stay tuned for the next episode of next gen creators because we have plenty of people to talk to Uh, be sure to let us know some of the nascar content creators that you want us to talk to the types of stories that you want to hear because again remember this is all about telling the stories of nascar content content creators and uh, we're very very excited to uh, welcoming a lot of these people on our show once again thank you so very much for tuning into this episode of next gen creators i am joshua lapowski saying so long for now